Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. the boys in white and blue and we are back for another episode of There's Still Time, the AFTN Soccer Show broadcasting on CITR Radio 101.9 FM from the unceded Musqueam Territory at the University of beautiful and somewhat smoky and very hot British Columbia. I'm Michael McCall. I'm Steve Pander. And I'm Zachary Adam Eisenhower. And if you take a look out the window, it might look like it's all the smoke from the wildfires, but it's not. It's because Christian Dahomey is on fire. He's got two more goals to his credit, including horribly, horribly taken down, but managed to bravely pick himself up to score a penalty. We'll be covering all of that. We'll be covering the... Gold Cup heartbreak for Canada. The additional heartbreak tonight of America winning it. We'll be talking a little bit CPL, a little bit MLS news of the week. And of course, we've got to talk about the big, big news story of the weekend. Yes. Bray Wyatt has been released by WWE. Steve broke that news to me while I was out walking the, the dog on Saturday morning devastated. He was the man that single-handedly got me back into watching wrestling, and I can't believe it, Steve. Oh, I, I'm not devastated because he's probably going to go on to do something better well, yeah. out there. So I'm not that was the yet. only reason I was still watching WWE. I mean, I love Alexa Bliss. I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even watch it for him. Like, So I wasn't even watching it for anybody. At this uh, he's going to thrive in AEW, which is where he will well, surely land. Yeah, we'll see. The creative control he is going to have in there is just going to be magnificent, I feel. But, uh, yep, that that was one of the big news items this weekend. Oh, yeah, and there was a, there's a new Scottish guy in Vancouver. Can you have too many Scots in Vancouver? I guess we'll find out. But before we delve into all the football chat, it's time to continue the gift that keeps on giving. Steve Pander's loving gift to Zach and myself for Christmas. A box of 2011 Upper Deck MLS trading cards. We're opening a pack every week. Let's get this week's packs open. Ooh, I'd like to rip it off on a Sunday night. You can go first, Zach. I have, uh, I think I have a couple goalkeepers in this pack. I have uh, 
from the Chicago Fire, Andrew Dykstra. Oh, well, it's funny that you have Dykstra because don't stick your finger in his hole from Portland Timbers. It's bright. DK. Oh, I got that card. Uh, oh, 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 no. Uh, a multi-time member, I believe multi-time member of the Philadelphia Union and former Vancouver Whitecap, Sebastian Latou, and former flounder, of course, Sebastian yes. Latou. Very short-lived time in Vancouver. The Fred Gwynn of the Munsters lookalike, as I always like to think of him. Well, I have the GOAT next, or a GOAT. Not the greatest of all time. It's a Chivas USA player. Giancarlo Maldonado. Oh, yeah, I got him. No idea so, who he is. Steve, um, you, can just, you can just boo as I show this card here. I can't see it. Oh. Oh, Teal Bunbury. Oh, yeah. Boo. Traitor. No, that's it. But they scored two goals in that game. Yeah. I was losing my nut. Uh, we have a couple of Dos Santises here. Here's a single Santos from TFC. It's Mycon Santos. I got that one. I have here this. I got to double check. This could be my. I know you have this guy. I don't think. I'm not sure if I do. Defender Bobby Boswell. Oh, yeah. I have two of him. Okay. Maybe that's what I'm thinking of. I got to check. I checked my cards yesterday. I was putting them all in their, their little protective sheaths. It's, it's always very important to practice that when you're when you're dealing with things like this. 13 doubles I have so far. I have zero so far. Good. Well, I'm I'm they say better red than dead. It's the other way around. It's yeah, the other way around. Better dead than red. Yeah. From TFC, it's another guy, a defender, Dan Gargan. Oh, I have that one too. Uh, this one I know you have. It's one of those players who just likes one name. Fred. Oh, yes. I might have two Freds. Two Freds are better than one. Better Fred than dead. Shay now. Shay now. Oh, Salinas. He came over from Philadelphia? I don't yeah. remember that. Yeah. Draft, draft, uh, the oh, yeah. We got yeah. in the expansion. Uh, yeah, and then we got Jordan Harvey on the other side. That's right. Philadelphia yeah. took him in the 2009 expansion draft, yep. and then we took him in the 2010. And now he's back where it all started for him at San Jose. I have another one of Steve's favorite players from that same game of the, of the trader. Jimmy Nielsen. Oh. Speaking of nuts. Well, this guy didn't really hurt his nuts, but he did hurt his ankle at Empire Field. From FC Dallas. Watch out, Johnny Leathers. It's David Ferreira. His boy scored today. Nice goal. Oh, yeah. Oh, um, uh, did, did, that, yeah. I, I remember uh, uh, WFC two days. Jim Nielsen came with, who did he come with? It's an Oklahoma team or something. Yeah. And I, ta- I, I interviewed him. I talked to him about him about that call. About I told him about how the, the Craig McEwen said he lost his nut. He afterwards. was stinking a cigarette. Oh, yeah. He liked he liked a cigarette. He, I, I, that was a that was a fun interview. He he was really really good that day when we had a chat you, with him. Jimmy Nielsen liked his cigarettes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but let's get into the modern day 
football chat now. We're going forward 10 years from the 2011 MLS to the 2021 MLS. The Whitecaps are no longer calling Sandy Utah home. It's all over for them down there. And it finished with more of a whimper than a bang, although I, I guess stoppage time was quite exciting. It wasn't it was, it was a, a great it, it, game. It was a good stoppage time for them, for once. Yes, for once. Um, it was a stoppage time that left Minnesota United rightly seething. Their fans very upset this weekend. And I, I don't blame them. If it had happened to us, I would have been raging. We will come to that. But it was a 2 all draw with Minnesota United. It was not a fantastic game. It... Didn't hold a lot of it. For a, for a game with four goals, I d- didn't enjoy it at all, Steve. Yeah, the goals were... Um, uh, the, the In between the goals, basically, there was nothing going on. Yeah. Uh, for some reason, there was, like, the goal, and then just dead. It would be just, like, highs and low. Like, very few highs, but a lot of low. Um, I don't I, know. It probably had, had a lot to do with Minnesota. Uh, playing a game like late midweek, I think Thursday. They yeah, they, no, they played Wednesday against Wednesday. LAFC, and yeah. they, they did. They had the stoppage time drama in that one, equalising yeah. basically the, the last kick of the game. So I mean, yeah. they came into this a little tired. Yeah, it was a long but... trip though for Vancouver to get down there. Uh, they they didn't have a great flight down on the Friday. There were some delays. They got to the hotel late. There was a late meeting. That kind of disrupted a couple of things that we we were going to do as well. And it was just... Russell Tybert said afterwards, it was a difficult game for them because as much as everyone was happy that they were back home, there was guys that have come back to Vancouver and they don't have anywhere to live at the moment. They're still trying to find apartments. And when you've got families and you're living out of a hotel room, it's not the ideal preparation for a game. And I know a lot of folk will say, well, why did they not just stay down there for one extra week? The guys had had enough. They just wanted to get back to Vancouver, rightly or wrongly. I I, I think it was the right decision because yeah. there was definitely a spring in their step at training this week. There was a lot of guys really happy. And it was a good first half for them too. Yeah, um, up to the up to the point where they gave up the goal. I mean, we talk about not much happening. I went into the the MLS website, Zach, and at halftime they had five video highlights from the first half. Two of them were the goals, and the first three were offside decisions yeah. that weren't even like of note. Yeah, I mean, my my thoughts, and I think I told you this, Michael. I might have told both both of you, but it felt like Christmas in July. Like, this game was a game of gifts. There was gifts being given out all over the place. Two of the goals were from very, very, very poor passes that were inter- easily intercepted. And then what we'll get to later on where there was a gift from the officiating. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there was two changes for Vancouver going into this one. Jake Norwinski came in for Javain Brown, which I was a little bit surprised with, with how well Javain had been playing. And then when you saw Brown coming on later on, you kind of see that spark that he brings on the offensive side. But I think Jake was more brought in for his defensive role and in particular handling the the likes of Renezo. And, I mean, he, he did well enough. Tybert came in as well for the suspended Caio Alejandre. And, fantastically, Cava got to serve his one-game suspension in this one 
because technically he could have joined up because Tesho Akindeli came back and played for Orlando. Yeah. So, I mean, that's good to get that out, out of the way. That's the one plus from, from Canada getting beat by Mexico. I mean, what was what your thoughts on, on Narinsky and for Brown looking at it from a defensive standpoint? Um, I, I feel like Jermaine Brown does offer quite a bit defensively. I don't see the main difference. I, I, I feel like he's like always going, getting his foot to the ball and being able to clear it and just being able to lunge at stuff without getting himself in trouble. The one thing I'll say is though, Jake did provide, uh, almost, uh, provided a, I think a decent chance for, uh, Bikel in the box in the first half. Uh, it was a nice pass right to him and Bikel just like launched it for some reason. He had so much time in that spot. And, and then you got the other change, Tiber. You were talking about. He set up the first goal. So yeah. Uh, so I think I think the substitutions, the changes, kind of worked in their favor. Even though I I don't I don't buy the Jake in for Brown for defensive purposes because I don't see a defensive uh, lacking defensively for Jermaine Brown. That's fair enough. And it, it was weird because like the first half there was little of note. Vancouver had a couple of half chances and a couple of them fell to Janio Bikel and. He probably could have done better with one, if not both, the chances he had. But the, the deadlock was broken in the 36th minute. Christian Dahomey, as you mentioned there, great through ball from Russell Tybert. When I first saw it, I was pretty sure it was going to get called back for offside. It just looked like Dahomey had just gone yeah. a little bit too early. But as soon more as offside than Villa. Yeah. <laughs> You're not going to get over that. No. <laughs> when you saw the replay, though, I mean, Dahomey did fantastically to to time his run to perfection yeah. and stay on side, and it was a cool, composed finish. Fantastic finish, uh, and I, like I said, Tiber. Like a lot of people say, oh, Tiber doesn't provide passing, ball, you know. But he, in this case, he it was perfectly timed. Um, he got it right in front of him, so Dahomey could just run on it. And yeah, Dahomey, perfect finish. Didn't give it a goalkeeper any chance to save it. I yeah, it was. I, I agree with both of you. It was a good pass from Russell, and I also Michael thought for sure I, as I saw the replay, I'm like, oh, this is being called back. Um, this this is definitely going to be called offside, but it wasn't. And a nice finish, like you said earlier in the show, the home is in great form, which is really well. Sorry, was <laughs> really really encouraging. Yeah, um, I I mean I picked him. In the season preview that he would get into double digits, and I thought Cava would as well. I I, I said I, I fancied them both to do it. Might be a bit of work for for Cava to get there, but he's he's got a playmaker now. Hopefully, setting him up. One question for you guys with the lineup, because I, I like I don't buy even though even though they both made contributions in the bigger picture. I I, I when I saw the lineup, I was it was a little bit of a letdown. Like it was a little yeah, bit. Yeah, like, oh, it was. They're not really going for this one. They're like yeah. You know, so, so Brown for Jake is like Jake uh, Brown is obviously now clearly ahead of Jake in the pecking order. So I thought that was a, a letdown, even though Steve's right. He did pr- pr- produce that one, one good cross. Um, and Michael, you're also right. Like as soon as Brown came into the game, you're like, oh yeah. And I think everyone's like, oh yeah, why didn't he start? Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but my question for you is for you guys is this is with Russell, like, yeah, he provided a nice pass, but overall I didn't, uh, I I didn't think it it really lifted the team to where it needed to be, but no. Who would who else would you have put in the the spot for this game, or how else would you have configured things to in this game? Right, because you had no no Caillou, 
right? Yeah, I mean, the only other guy he'd have brought in would have been Leo Wusu, and he's right. clearly not in, in favour just now yeah. anyway. So, I mean, I, I think it, it was always going to be Tybert. But, I mean, but going here's... forward, Tybert and Nowinski, I don't see them as regular starters at all in this team. No, but here's the thing. If you really wanted to, if if you really wanted to give some players a rest or try something different, I think this could have been a nice game for Owusu to... to... To, to get yeah, something. but he's done something to Mark DeSantos. Uh, like he's <laughs> he, insulted he's... his Portuguese heritage or something like that. Uh, I don't know what he's done, but he's not getting off the bench. Man. He's he's I don't clearly know. not showing something at training. Right? Yeah, or or my feel like is the like the transfer windows open? So I thought maybe uh, for a while there, I thought maybe he was being transferred that they didn't want to risk an injury because he has been. Hey, he still injured. might because it's yeah. like we we do have a bit of a log jam at midfield, and Mark has talked that Patrick Metcalf has been unfortunate not to get in the team because he's been doing yes. you know, what training, and I mean, I guess you could have maybe stuck Metcalf in for Tybert. But I think he went for the experienced factor with Jake, the experienced factor with Tiber. Because let, let's make no bones about it. This was a massive game for them. Because, yes. as we'll cover in the next part, Dallas won, San Jose won, two surprising road victories. Yeah. The, the gap is kind of increasing. They had to take something from this match, and ideally all three points. And it, it was a massive game, and I think these could be two drop points that prove very costly down the line. One of the bad bits from the game, like the LAFC game, they take the lead, but they just can't get into halftime with that lead. They just can't hold on to it. It's like the worst dog walker in the world just can't hold on to a lead. Right on the stroke of halftime, Ethan Finlay, who had an interesting role to play at the end of both halves. Yeah. Got onto a through ball from Robin Lude. Nice through ball. Split the last two Whitecaps defenders. Finley fires home. I think Hassal should have got a hand to it, could have got a hand to it. What about the defenders? I think it was Godoy and Gutierrez. Do you, do you feel they maybe should have been better closed Finley down? Yeah, you could have said that, but I think it was more to Finley's... Um individual you know ability to split them good goal. um yeah i i do feel like uh Hassel was a little bit stuck in concrete a little bit um in his decision making i think he in other games I, i've seen him make that save and getting a fingertip or a little bit of your finger to it i think it would have affected because there wasn't a bullet of a shot it was more of a curling shot so i think a little bit of a of a deflection could have got, taken it off so i do and it, it looked like after he let the goal in I, it looked like he was looked like body language wise that he was more disappointed in himself yeah. than the defenders. Yeah, he he'll have known Zach that he really should have got a hand to that because when you see it from the angle from behind the goal, you're like, oh, he went down a bit too early and then couldn't get across to get to the ball. But that was a disappointing one. And I mean, we, we've talked about them giving up leads in stoppage time at the end of games. They have to see leads out into half time. In one way, the the half as a whole felt a little bit like a second half for them. Mm. Um, and this was especially one of the ways where it did in, in terms of giving a goal up at the end of the game. I think you guys are spot on in terms of Hassal could have done better. I don't think it was the worst goal he's ever let, let oh, in. Oh, no, no. Um, but, I'm sorry, it definitely wasn't the worst goal he's ever let in um, in, in playing in MLS. But um, 
I think overall, when you look at that goal, it's uh, it's more of a nice passing and movement play from uh, you know from the, the 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 other side. Yeah, I mean, loads from Minnesota's perspective. Loads always dangerous. He he took a little bit of time finding his feet in MLS, and then once he did, he, he's been outstanding f- for Minnesota. He's a load for defenders. Yeah, is. You bring Max back next week, surely. You don't continue with, with Hassan and goals? Oh, for sure. No, Max is definitely the starting keeper. Yeah. Max I'm, is su- I'm surprised you'd even ask that question. I, d- I just thought I'd stick it out there, just yep. just in case. Folk like to see the young guns getting their chance, but yeah, Max got, no, no. he's got to come back in. I mean, he, the, he, no. he's just coming off an absolutely fantastic performance yeah, sure. in the Gold Cup, for one thing. S- second half. Like I said, the message at halftime, it should have been, guys, Dallas and San Jose have won today. You have got to get something from this. Maybe that was the message. And maybe it was like, whatever it is, you've got to get something from it. Because they didn't look like they were pushing to get the victory. The only team that looked like they were going to to break the deadlock was Minnesota. And they came close in the 69th minute. It was nice. Who now off the post with a header from a free kick? Who Who now? He's a rock star. (laughs) Six minutes later, though, it was 2-1. No big surprise the way the game was going. Vancouver offering very little, basically offering nothing. I was a great solo goal from that man again, Lode. I thought Godoy was shocking on this. He just got turned inside out. He seemed slow. He seemed out of position. Not a good goal defensively for the Caps. Good goal, though, from a Minnesota perspective. Yeah, but the thing is, is the, I, I do agree Godoy didn't look good on that, but, you know, it, they were probably caught off guard because it was a horrible pass by Bikel. Um, yes. It just, like... Basically, he had the player that he wanted to pass to, but he it's almost like he scuffed the X button when he was uh, sending it up. Uh, and, and yeah, it didn't look good at all. And then the, the they turned around right away. And, yeah, Godoy was caught. I don't know what he was doing angle-wise with his feet. I, like, I, I know. Feel like he, he just looked like he, flat. I mean, you talked about Hassel being like stuck in concrete. He looked yeah, like he this, was stuck in concrete for that. Yeah. And, and put in the first roll the wrong position when he first started, too. Yeah, that, that's, uh, that's where it went wrong, because he couldn't yeah. then turn round. The worst, thing, the, the worst thing you want to do is let him get inside. You want to actually drive him outside instead of inside. And he gave him the inside lane. Um, so, yeah, not, not good for Godoy, but you can maybe give it up to the really being unexpectedly on, on the defensive side after that pass. Vancouver, after that, had to go for it. And they went all in. Triple substitution. And it, it definitely added a bit of spark. To St. Ricketts up front, definitely added a spark. Brian White did not have a good game. I think after after the game, someone had mentioned he only had 19 touches in the whole yeah. game, which is not good at all. You, looking at the who scored ratings, he wasn't the worst rated white cap. That was Michael Baldissimo at 5.8. He got six uh, Thomas Hassel got 5.9. All the subs, including Theo Bear, who got six, were like on or better than, than White. So Metcalf got 6.3. Brown got 6.6 from the brief time he was on the pitch. And Raposo got 6.1. Yeah, 
Yeah, but you have to be able to handle the ball in order to make like like he didn't have the ball enough to make a mistake to get lower. He basically yeah. got just like an average mark because he barely was a factor. Vancouver's star man in the ratings was Christian Dahomey at eight point two. Oh, two goals, yeah. Reynoso got eight point five for Minnesota. Which I was a bit surprised when I saw that because I mean he's a good player, but I... maybe he set up both goals. I don't know. No, because Lode set up the first one, and the second one was a solo effort by Lode, so I thought that was yeah. weird. But yeah. the reason Dahomey got that high plaudit: two minutes into stoppage time, all hope looking lost, and then a cynical, horrible challenge by Finlay, scything down Christian Dahomey, poor Christian as he ran into the box. Obviously, I'm exaggerating a little bit. It was never little. a penalty for me. Never. Uh, like, never. You know how if that seen, goes against honest, you, you are raging. I probably am raging, but honestly, I've seen worse penalties called than that. It's like they, they were acting like this is the worst call in the history of soccer. Well, it might oh, be the I've worst seen... one that Minnesota has been on the end of, though. I mean, we've uh, I been on know. the end I... of some bad ones, like Cody yeah, Day's dive. Yeah. Th- that this, even got the thing is... by far. But I've seen this worst stuff called in the World Cup, like where somebody jumps in front of somebody trying to clear the ball and they get hit by the clearance, like the, by the kick, and but, it gets called a penalty. I, I don't know. For me, um, from the I'll, I'll say this from the referee's angle, because I checked it out, the referee was behind the play. So for he could not have seen uh, Godoy, ju- I mean, the Godoy, Dahomey jump in front of Finley. It, it was like the way it was, is like he basically got in, in between Finley and the ball. There was clear space. Oh, yeah, I don't blame the referee for this. It it was the fourth official or the VAR review. But the VAR review, it wasn't enough to... And even some of the commentators even said that once it's called a penalty, there's not enough to review, uh, overturn it because it's not clear and obvious. Uh, uh, I understand that they were calling it... uh, The only reason why they didn't have the referee look at it is because they felt it wasn't clear and obvious. I, like Michael, disagree that it was clear and obvious that that was never a penalty. It, it, the, the, I, I just find that it was, for me, it wasn't clear and obvious as well. It's not enough to overturn a penalty. Like the, that's the, like there was contact. I think that was what the decision there, has been in the listen, end. Yeah. By by rule, there was contact, and uh, the homie was in between the defender and the ball. Yeah, but by, the, rule, I, I, by yeah by rule there was contact. You're always I, that, into, you're that always contact was initiated the, by the homie. I don't know. It wasn't because if you look at it, Finley was the one that went into Dahomey. To me, it's clear and obvious it was not, initiated. Not the, by I'm not talking about the upper upper body initiation. I'm talking about the legs. Yeah, Finley, but Dahomey, Finley, Dahomey, Dahomey moves himself in front of Finley. Yeah. He moves his leg but into me, Finley. To me, Steve. To me, no, Steve, no. He put it. To me, he put it in front. But the Finley was the one that moved into Dahomey at that point. I, I don't. I don't often like to agree with Stephen Caldwell. But to me, it's almost a foul on Dahomey. Dahomey yeah. fouls, well, foul, fouls, uh, if fouls. If you want to call, if you want to call what he did up in the upper body, where he put his arm on him or something like that, yes, you can call that. But down the lower body, no, there was no foul. But the him. game's not upper or lower; it's both. So I know, but but the, the but you can't review that. You can't review upper body. Uh, you can't. I don't think you can. You can. You can review anything if you think it should I don't know. negate a penalty. For me, for me, uh, I, I agree that uh, if you want to review it, but I I saw a worse penalty this week in another MLS game. Yeah, but than this it, one. It, so it, it can't only me, be a game of comparison. It should be no. what happened on the play. For me, this is not that uh, emphatic of a yes. It's a penalty. No, it's not a penalty. It's not that emphatic. Well. Let's it, hear it, from one of the men involved, oh, Ethan Finley. 
well, who is going to explain gonna be... how things played out from his point of view. Let's just start with the ending, um, and we'll go back to the to the good stuff that you had earlier. Um, what did you uh, walk us through? What how you viewed that last play? Yeah, um, well, I'll give you two point of views. In the in real time, um, you know, obviously a ball comes just ricochets off my chest, uh, puts him into space. Um, I know that he's to my right, um, but I try to take just a straight line, kind of towards the ball. Um, knowing that he's there he, and, and I didn't know if he had the inside shoulder on me necessarily, um, but I was just going to keep my, my line essentially. Um, and I felt like I did that throughout that, that moment. Um, and I felt like it was more of a lunge by him, um, you know, into me. And obviously anytime that you're, you're running shoulder to shoulder, someone in the box, you're trying to, uh, do it, uh, gingerly, if you will. And, and you know that, uh, you know, in those moments that refs are looking to make calls, but. You know, I don't know what else a player can do in that situation. I, now that I've seen it back, um, I think anywhere else on the field, if you ask 99 people out there, 100 people out there, 99 are going to tell you that's a foul on him probably. And I just, you know, I don't know how you can just throw a leg out in front of a player um, really from a side angle and consider that you have the position. And I, so I don't know what else to do. I guess in the moment I have to be a lazy player and not rush back and try to make it a, a play on a ball, which I think is a 50, 50. I mean, you know, People don't realize – I mean, he didn't touch the ball there. The ball came straight off my chest. So he had never had possession of that ball. I, I, I don't – I don't know what, where – I don't know where there's – there's four referees on the field. There's a VAR where there's at least one or two. I, I, that, that has to be explained. And, unfortunately, they can explain it, but it won't give us the points back. And that's, that's why I, I'm gutted, and, and that's why this team is gutted because you know, that was 92 minutes of busting our ass, and, and it was stolen from us tonight. How surprised were you that the ref himself didn't go over and look at it? Uh, surprise would be an understatement. I think we have a job to do on the field as players. The responsibility of a ref is to be a, like, very sure of it. And for a guy who I think has maybe five games to his name as a center referee, I, I don't care if he thinks that he was almost 100%. He needs to go look at that. That's too big of a moment for him to not go look at it and make sure what he saw live is the same thing that he saw. And if he still sees the same thing, so be it. But to not look at it, and that has to go on the VAR. If he, the VAR doesn't call him to do it, then then that should go on him. And, I, and that's why there needs to be transparency. I mean, this is an easy thing that we had in the bubble where there's transparency in these rooms. I don't understand why we can't do it. It'd be great for fan entertainment. Players and coaching staff, I think, will enjoy the transparency. You guys will like it. Who's objecting to it, right? Is it the refs? Okay, well, we'll solve that problem. But these are moments that we're not going to know what happened between, you know, these five or six people. But I think everyone should should want to know, and we should. We should be asking these questions. Too big of moments. We'll look back in three months' time right now, and this two points could be the difference between hosting a playoff game or not. That's the reality. And that's, you know, we'll have to face that going forward. So Ethan Finley there very baffled by that, says that Dahomey didn't even touch the ball, that the ball came off him to, to start with. And like I think Minnesota's biggest complaint is that, that VAR didn't look at it. But, I mean, it's obviously gone down to... I, I, there's there's an element of doubt in the mind of the, the VAR official. 
We'll see if there's a, a pro referee's apology midweek as we've been on the wrong end of. All I'll say about this is, I don't care. I will take this every day of the week. It got us a point and we have been on the wrong end of calls like this in the past. And it happens to every team. You just kind of have to suck it up and live with it. I don't honestly. I don't blame uh, the Minnesota team for complaining about it. I don't blame them at all. But I do see that there is. Uh, I don't think it's as clear as you guys are saying that it's definitely not a penalty. I, 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 I can hundred and, and I, I know I'm not going to change your mind, and you're definitely not going to change my mind. I'm not saying it's a hundred percent a penalty, but I definitely don't think it was something that could have been reviewed. But Bar did take a look at it, right? And, and for well, me, yeah, they look they look at everything, and then they yeah. didn't feel it was enough to get the referee to come and take a look. Yeah, and for me, exactly. for me, Steve, your words of "it's not 100 percent a penalty" for me means it's not a penalty. No, what did I say? I did I say I don't remember said, what I said. There. You said for me, it's not 100 percent a penalty, but oh, I must have. I, I, I think he meant, I worded, no, I, wasn't I, I worded it wrong. Yeah, I worded it incorrectly than what I said. Someone else that didn't think it was a penalty was was Adrian Heath. And we'll hear, we'll hear from the gaffers shortly. He, though, like he's he's got a fine coming his way, judging by what's happened to MDS in the past. He mentioned that the referee didn't have a good night in general. I didn't think he was that no. bad. No, I wasn't really is, sure where he was getting that from. It's it's Adrian Heath. I've I've interviewed him even after wins, and he's never been happy with officials fully. Like like the thing is with him is. Uh, like, I've seen. I guarantee you, even if it was a clear cut penalty, he would have been arguing against it. The, the, like he's gonna be the opposing. If you're get a call like this in the 90th minute, and you probably haven't had a chance to fully look at it, you're not. You're gonna obviously you're gonna get argumentative about it. Oh, he, has, he, he did have a look at it. <laughs> oh, did he? Okay. Yes. Because normally they say they haven't had a chance to look at it. Probably. Yeah. Let's hear from both the gaffers now. So first of all, we will hear from Minnesota United's Adrian Heath, and then we'll hear from Mark DeSantis. Uh, Adrian, have to start with the the penalty kick call. Uh, what did you see? What did you hear from the fourth official or or anybody else? I think the referee's maybe the only one who thought it was, um, but considering the night he had, I shouldn't be surprised that he's probably made a really poor decision in the 93rd minute because he's he's made him most, most of the evening, I felt. So he's not had a good night. So, but it is what it is. And we're not going to change it now. It's a disappointment. feels like a defeat, but it's not. And you've heard me say it a million times, a point on the road is never a bad result. Sure, we wanted the three. And when you're so close, everybody's incredibly disappointed. Where I thought we were excellent second half, forgot about and started to play. Um, you know, even in the first half where I, I thought we were nearly good when we were at it and got in good spots we, we created some good opportunities and so I'm disappointed for the players because on the back of putting so much in on Wednesday evening against the team that you know makes you work so hard you know we probably had our highest physical data that we've had since I've been here on Wednesday in um, in, in LA so for the same group to put the same effort and commitment in that they've done tonight speaks volumes and although I said it sounds like a defeat it wasn't and we keep the run going and we set ourselves up nicely for next week. Did you get a chance to look at the video of the penalty of the penalty after the game between then and now? Yeah I thought the kid threw himself into Ethan and he's the refs fell for it. Um, I didn't think it was a penalty seeing it live and then seeing it after 
But as I said, Jerry, I, we, we, we can talk about it all night. It's, it's a bad decision. But he, he was poor all evening. So, you know, we, we shouldn't be surprised. You know, it could have been the other way. It could have been, he could have done it the other way. So, because he's, and by the way, we all have bad nights. I have bad nights, players do, and referees have bad nights. And tonight he, had, he didn't have a particularly good evening. So we shouldn't be surprised. Interesting match, the the way that played out. I mean, fighting spirit at the end to to come away with a point, but very flat second half from your team. How, how did you see that one play out? Yeah, I agree with you. I think the first half was uh, overall, you know, during the there was some pockets of the first half where uh, Minnesota started to find a lot of rain also inside between our midfielders, but it the majority of the first half, I think, our energy, our counter-press, our moments to step up, um, were good. Then uh, we scored the first goal. We have a very good chance to score the second one uh, with a play that involved Guti, Daber, and Brian. Very, very close. We don't score the second one. And then in a play that broken we didn't challenge well in the midfield um we weren't hard in that 50 50 they got the ball between our center backs to love and one one so i think that goal destabilized the team a little bit at half um when we came back to the second half there was a, a wind blowing very hard against us so sometimes it was very hard for us to get out of pressure. And if you see even the balls that Thomas played long, they would stop in the air. And we, Minnesota started to press us in our half. And we didn't have the ability uh, through possession on the ground to get out uh, of pressure and to, to get in behind them. Um, but, you know, it was still, a, it was a very chippy type of game. Uh, the second half, very uncomfortable type. And then when they got the goal through, you know, a mistake from us, from a guy that has been enormous for, from the team, he's been giant, he's been a guy that helped a lot the team until now. And he has a moment that he really is disappointed and it gives a, a transition and a guy like Claude is not going to miss there. But then we tried to push, we, make some ch we made some changes to push the game, we made some changes to to just a little bit of, uh, to become a little bit hectic in a way of saying, uh, and we knew we would open a lot of spaces, but you know, we knew that the, 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 it was a high risk and high reward type of uh, last 15 minutes or last 10 minutes. Uh, then we get the penalty shot, we tie the game, I think at the end, um, when you look at the two games between us and Minnesota, we definitely deserve the point. Um, but but we feel, again, we feel that we could have had a little bit more. Obviously, the big news today was the addition of Ryan Gold. He's obviously the kind of guy that you're looking for to add some of that spark and creativity to, to the middle of the park. Do you feel you can get him integrated into games really as soon as possible now? So uh, I, I promise you, Michael, that on Tuesday, I'm going to have all the time in the world for you guys and Ryan Gold. So you could ask me everything, but I'm going to answer quickly integration. We want to do it in the right way. 
And uh, unfortunately, it was a move that we worked for months uh, and he's, he's just in after 16 games. Uh, we would want to do the move when there was zero games. Uh, it didn't work like that. Um, so it's a player that we want to integrate fast, but we have to be careful that we don't integrate him too fast and then there's the muscles are not ready to, to, to contain the, the reality of MLS. So we'll do all our best to integrate him as fast as possible. So the gaffers there just giving their thoughts on the game, the penalty incident. It's all in the history books now. It's a one-all draw and it's a two-all draw. It's a share of the points. It's one point each. And Vancouver can finally draw a line in the chapter that is their Sandy, Utah home. Hopefully, hopefully there's not more outbreaks and lockdowns in the future that's going to get this going again and we are back in Vancouver for good. But I mean, MDS said after the game that basically he just felt that it was, he didn't want to swear, but he basically indicated it was just that it was a shitty atmosphere and a shitty environment in the stadium for, for this one. He doesn't know what it was. It was just, it was just hard to get, get the guys going. They did look flat. There was, there, there was just no spark up front. I'm wondering if this, uh, you, you mentioned the bad travel and everything, but remember, they trained all week in Vancouver. Yeah. Now, when you train in On one environment, well. yeah, and you train in one environment and then you go play in another environment, that is going to affect you. Like, we've always, they've always had problems with Rio Tinto when they, when they go there on a road trip. Yeah, and this is essentially while they're, it's officially a home game. Yeah, it essentially it, is a road trip. It was. It's like four road games in a a row that they've got now. Yeah, and I know Mark will argue that every single game's been a road game, but at least right. they've had a chance to be a little bit acclimatized and used to it. So they've gone exactly. back to Vancouver, then they've gone back to the altitude, and I this mean, is the most this is the most road trip of a home game there ever will, will be in MLS. I I think as well though. The the whole emotional toll of this week can't be understated. Like for these guys to to suddenly pack everything up a week ago, they're living in Utah. Then they're packing everything up, families and everything. Uh, Jake Nowitzki drove back with his wife and his dog. Uh, so y you've got guys doing stuff like this. You've got guys that don't have anywhere to live, and they're they're thinking, "Am I going to get an apartment? How long am I going to be in a hotel?" They're having to leave their families just to fly down for this game and then fly back again. Like, emotionally, you've got the highs of being back. For some guys, it's the first time they'll have been in Canada, first time they've seen Vancouver, and then you've got everything about, oh, we're going away to play a home game, there's no fans, all that, carry on again. It, it, it's tough for them. But, I mean, hopefully they can they can draw a line under it now from August onwards, we kick off with three away games. We'll come a little bit into that in the next part. The biggest concern for me, though, I mean, there was no spark up front. So Cavallini coming back should hopefully help that. There was no bite in midfield. We'll come to that in a sec. 
defensively, I thought they were they were pretty poor and they were making mistakes. I still want to sign an experienced centre back. I, I think that might help some of the the stuff at the back. And then if Bruno Gaspar can get in and challenge Brown, see which one of them. But the midfield is what's going to make it all tick. And there was just nothing really coming for them in this game. Hopefully that will change soon, but it's not going to be immediate. We all knew it was coming. It was just a matter of when. Ryan Gold is officially a Vancouver Whitecap. Ryan Gold! Gold! Want to hear that sang at BC Place on the 21st? We finally got our number 25. Yes. Hey, isn't it perfect now the top 25 in the world of attacking <laughs> midfielders? I, I like the way that they, they teased it with yeah. Axel sitting down and moving the bottles of water and putting I the iron like brew. That. And that got play in Scotland. Because I, I recorded my East Fife podcast this morning and the guys were like, oh, did you have anything to do with that? I was like, no, you, you give me a lot of credit as to... <laughs> I How think much somebody I, I have in the white caps here. I think somebody in the white caps line has been listening to our podcast. You mentioning Iron Brew and stuff like that. Oh well, yes, I, I mean it's obviously such a well-known thing, but I mean folk there have loved it. Um, the reaction though of a lot of folk in Scotland is why is Ryan Gold going to MLS? They're terrible, blah blah blah, as we've talked about before, and that's just it's they're showing the ignorant side of how good this league is. Because it's not a retirement league. Not anymore. It's had that reputation, and I can see why. But it's like, this is an exciting young league with exciting young players. And as we'll talk about in the next part, the Bundesliga is basically becoming a feeder league for MLS with all the guys that are joining MLS from from German clubs. Zach's biting his tongue here. Oh, but the thing is, you, you've said it in the past that you think that most MLS clubs can beat the Scottish team. I do. Right? I totally do. Like, like not Ran- from, not, Rangers not, would have a, a good time at the moment against a lot of the MLS teams. No, but, but if you look at, if you line up the top team to the bottom team and they face off, like you face the top team in Scottish, like the Rangers versus who? I don't know, Seattle maybe or something like that. Oh, yes. That's Seattle, a, Seattle, would, Seattle would beat Rangers probably that's, that's, now. Well, that's a very competitive team, right? Yeah. Like match. And then, I, mean, I guess if, if you, you look at if like If you Austin, match it up. Like, yeah. would, would Austin compete with Rangers? No. I, would be, I don't know. It'd be an interesting one. I would probably no, fancy, I Ra- so. I would fancy Rangers to win that. I would but probably if you, fancy Austin to beat every single other team in the Scottish Premiership just now, though. Well, yeah, you're you're more of an expert than me than on Scottish. So, like people are saying that it's just it's just the reputation right now. Yeah, years it's ago, ignorance like, of what this it hasn't is. changed. Yeah. Off the field, doesn't doesn't Atlanta have like a top twenty or top twenty five in the world um, attendance? I think it is. Yeah, and Forbes rating of valuable clubs and all this kind of stuff. But I mean, we've got gold here now, and as we heard from MDS there when I, I asked him about it, the integration of him. It's not going to be immediate. They have to get him up to speed. I probably think if he has a good training session this week, he'll be on the bench for the Galaxy game and we'll maybe get to see him for 10, 15 minutes at the end. Fans should not be expecting him to suddenly come in and be a starter. He's just played a full Portuguese season and he's in off-season mode. Yeah, but he, he, yeah, he's going to be in pre-season mode. But for me... 
I, I think they're I think they're really trying to lower expectations because yes. they're like but I don't think there's a need to. I, I, I understand where they're coming from, but for me that if he I, I maybe he can't start, but he should definitely be able to get 30 minutes and fully integrated, like like he's probably the most talented player on the team right now. Yeah. Talent wise. Like I, who, I'd, who, I'd say so. Yeah, so what, what more like you just put him on the pitch and let him figure out what he wants to do and let him run with it. I th- I I think that people overcomplicate um, football and not like but let it, the let the players play. Sometimes he hasn't played since the end of May, so he's not up to match full match fitness yet. He's not up to full match fitness. That's true, but he, yeah, and he's he, had a hellish time getting here. He isn't. Yeah, I read about that. He is in the preseason kind of kind of mode, so he should like. He it's not like. It's not like Pedro Morales, where he's coming like he just played and he hadn't has had no time off. Yeah, he was, yeah. He was in Europe right now. He'd be in the beginning or middle of, of preseason, preseason. mostly. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I, he's not going to be. He's not going. He's not going to be like Aliana, who was twenty thirty pounds overweight at this point. No, but he's a lot younger than Aliana as well. Thirty years. So, I mean, there there is that as well. Half his age, but I I I think. The fan base that is split into kind of different thoughts on gold. Some folk have him as the messiah. Some folk have him as just a very naughty boy. But some folk think he's going to be the savior for this team. Others are like, who the hell's Ryan Gold? Why have why have we signed him? He didn't even make the Scotland squad at the Euros, which we've covered and we won't go into again. I I, I worry that a lot of fan expectations of him are too high. That he's going to just come in and breeze it right away and just suddenly lift us through all these these things. Now, he he might, because he is a talent, but he's going to take a little bit of time finding his feet. You're playing in different kind of atmospheres. I don't know if, if he's ever played an altitude before, for, for example, and he'll be used to the heat, at least, from, from being in Portugal for the last few years. But I, I just think folk maybe need to temper their expectations for the first few weeks of him. So if he hasn't, by the end of August, if he hasn't got five goals and five assists, that's not the end of the world. He's finding his feet. Yeah, is he used to taking a plane for a local derby? Yes. Or a two and a half hour bus drive going over a border for your, your closest game. Yeah. I don't know, the, the White Cats under 23s are playing FC Tigers next Sunday at Swanguard. Maybe we could give him a run out in that. I don't think so. No, probably not. But if anyone hasn't read J.J. Adams' article with Axel Schuster about all the trials and tribulations getting him into Vancouver, highly recommend that you do. It's, I mean, it's fascinating. All these people that's like, oh, why can't the White Cats get stuff done? This deal was basically agreed in March, and then there was the sticking points of Ferenzi having to give, having to grease the wheels, as Zach and me were we're chatting about just to, to make the deal happen and get Ferenzi to go away. I'm all for that. If it was going to drag on and we weren't going to get him if it went through the courts to next season, fine, pay that money. But definitely read JJ's article in the province. It, it's fascinating. All the hassle he went through, getting denied boarding on a plane, having to quarantine, coming up here, getting a shot, having to wait for the 14 days after that. We've got him now. He's getting unveiled on Tuesday. Hopefully, we'll have a, a a fun one-on-one chat with him that will bring you, maybe as a special midweek show, 
maybe next weekend, but we're going to release the video of that on our YouTube channel as well. But we'll get to see him on the pitch soon. That's pretty much it for our Whitecaps chat for this part, but we're going to be back looking at what's been happening in a very busy week in MLS, both on and off the pitch, after this. Hi, I'm Mark Dos Santos, and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. Welcome back to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio, 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part, it's a new month, and you know what that means. It's a new Artist of the Month here at AFTN. And we've gone down to America for our Artist of the Month for August, out of Sacramento, California, now based in Oakland. It's a three-piece band called Destroy Boys punk band, sort of Riot Girl sound. They don't like the Riot Girl tag, but I mean, it definitely has that sound to it. That was a song from their debut album from 2016, Sorry Mum. That was, I threw glass at my friend's eyes and now I'm on probation. Absolutely fantastic song. That was the first song I heard by them. Absolutely great song, great band. We'll bring you another song from them in the next part and you'll have them all month long. Check them out. I've been trying to get hold of their CDs for ages because I'm an old-fashioned kind of guy, as you can see behind me. Well, you can't because you're listening to this on a podcast. Their CDs are very, very hard to get. I might have to wait till I'm down in Oakland to to pick one up. They but, go through a they go through a lot of band members. Like they do. They're, they're, they're especially drummers. Like drummers, yeah. they, they seem to always have a new drummer every couple of years or something. Well, they were formed in high school, and the two yeah. main the two girls that's the the main stays off the band they, they kind of formed it in high school and it's actually the guitar player that writes all their their songs right so we're, we're keeping our focus on mls in this part but not white caps we're going to look at the movements and shakings around the league this week because it's been a very interesting week for for transfers and trades lafc have been particularly busy they've shipped out two big players canadian Mark Anthony Kay sent to Colorado for $1 million in GAM, a 2022 international slot. And they also gave Colorado a first-round draft pick as well as Mark Anthony Kay. 
that that was a little bit of a, a surprise one. Corey Baird was also flipped to Houston just six months after LAFC brought him into RSL. He went for six seven hundred and fifty thousand gam and an international slot. So they're clearly stocking up on their twenty twenty two international slots there. Let's look at the key one first of all. To do this move just before an important Gold Cup semi-final, I was not a fan of that. I, I'm not majorly surprised that LAFC have moved him on because I, I think he was maybe a bit surplus to requirements there. He had a value just now. He has stated that he wants to go and play in Europe, so this was a chance to to get something out of him. And they're, they're needing to get some of this gam for another transfer that that they have lined up. But were you surprised to see Mac go to a, a Western rival? Yeah, very surprised. Um, that That's one where I thought they would have sent him, like, and the thing is, is, they basically sent both of their players to Western rivals. Yeah. So, but... And two, two must... guys that can really have big impacts on games as well. Yeah. So my guess is that they they have intentions of bringing players in that are higher end, and that's why the gam is going to come in. Mm. Uh, like, the, the, that they're going to use to bring in these players and turn them into TAM players or, or basically TAM players down and buy their contract lower. So uh, my guess is that they're... Like, this last game they played uh, during the weekdays, they played with a five-man back. Because I guess they just didn't have enough midfielders and forwards to put in there, so I'm assuming that they're that's what their plans are. I know they've heard they they have marked a, a Colombian striker. I don't remember who it is or what uh, his name, but uh, everyone that's has who, Colombians. Yeah, so that's one that they're definitely looking into at this point. I mean, were you were you surprised by a the move and b the timing of it? Yeah, I think a little bit because I think very highly of them. But I, I think you bring up a good point, Michael, on that. I think they see this as we're doing this now because we know at the end of his contract or whatever, he is gone. And so I think they were trying to get something out of him before that happened because I really hope he does go on to uh, greener football pastures than MLS. And well, I mean, I he think- spoke preseason when they did the round tables that he, he, he sees himself being in Europe. Yeah, yeah, I can see him replace Hutchinson in Turkey with the Besiktas. Oh, that might be a good shout, you know. I, I mean, I'm, I'm a big fan of Mark Anthony Kay. I would have loved him here. I think a lot of people would have loved him here. He would have fitted in well if we could have got him pre-season. He would have been tremendous. But he obviously was still in LAFC's plans there, or maybe the deal was just too too rich for for the Whitecaps to make that happen. Mark has spoke very, very highly of him in the past, as in Mark DeSantis. And Mark Anthony Kay has spoken very highly of Mark DeSantis. When he first came to Vancouver, I spoke to to Kay about him when he was here with Canada. And he said, great coach, loved working with him, wished him all the best. And MDS has spoken highly of Kay. So I think they both would have loved to have worked together here if they could have had that done. Let's be honest, though, like right now, he would be a little bit probably, maybe, it's hard to say surplus to requirements, but when you've brought in gold and you've got Alejandre and you've got Vite come in and you've got like the likes of Bikel and you've got the young guys, bringing in Key when you're maybe only going for a three-man midfield would maybe have not been the best spend of their money. 
But if they had gotten pre-season, I think it, it could have been. It could have been. But they also, I, I, I feel like maybe the, I, I'm sure that uh, Bradley would have spoken. I think the Whitecaps probably knew he was available. That's my guess. And they might have not wanted to get him because they knew that he was planning on going. Yeah. Uh, Europe and they didn't want to like they and, wanted something more long send, term. Sending him here, of course, it wouldn't have really gone to a playoff rival, you could argue as well, which would yeah, have been exactly. better. Exactly. I, I think I think they had to have known, Michael. Otherwise it would be foolish for them not to bring him in. I mean, a player of his quality is I think for I think they have the gam, right? I think they yeah. would have been willing to they should, him. yeah. They should have, yeah. He he is he has a, a option club option for 2022, so he definitely uh, like I'm assuming Colorado would pick it up. They would definitely not let that one go. Um, so like this could be a thing where either Colorado identifies him as like willing to keep him on for 2022, or at that point they sell him in the off season, which yeah. is surprising to me that LAFC didn't want to wait for that or try doing it this summer if they were really looking for it. Like they could have brought in a lot more money than just a hundred one million in GAM. But I mean, Colorado's playing some nice football as it is, and they've now added a very exciting piece to their midfield. So it's going to be interesting to see how they they go on this season. But, but the one thing about that, though, Steve, is would they have gotten like a one million dollar transfer fee for him? And if they did, that's well, not, that's not one million dollars in GAM for them. Yeah, on one that's true. One the thing is, is is transfer. Uh, I don't again. I know Manuel works for them, but I don't know how accurate these things are, whether they would get this much, but his market value is at 6.6. Right, okay. Yeah. So so, uh, so that's, I think they could have gotten... But the one, the one thing, and correct me if I'm wrong on this, let's say they did get 2 million, 3 million, 4 million, whatever, isn't the max amount that they can put of that towards roster and, and plus salary spending, isn't that like 750,000, Gam? Something like that. 75%. No, no, they get 75% of the oh. fee. Well, and MLS gets 25, but the, um, uh, Zach is right. There is a set number, which I feel is very stupid for yeah. MLS. They, they but, should be allowed, they, maybe not during the roster, but they should be able to take that um, that money and use it to buy somebody else. And then yeah. not, not that that money doesn't count against the captain. If they say yes. buy a player for four, that that doesn't count. That, that would be really smart, Steve. I, I, th- I think it would be a step in the right direction, but I don't think yeah. that's now so in one sense lafc probably sees this as hey we're getting more money we can actually use on our squad in yeah the way want i think to. that's that's the reason why they probably made this deal if anything there for that and colorado are probably looking for that cash yeah I, cash I, it's often been said that with gam it's better to use gam to bring in somebody from outside the league yeah than give it to your rival within the league yeah. by doing it via trades but LAFC's got a lot now because, like, Corey Baird is an interesting one because they brought him in. We were surprised that he went there when he went there in January. And he, like, yes, he's a diving bastard from when he played against the, the Whitecaps and won that penalty. I won't forgive him for that. But I would maybe have forgiven if if he'd come here because if if you were offered Brian White or Corey Baird, I'd have taken Corey Baird. Yeah, he day. may not have been available though at that time. Things may have changed, but out of those two, Baird would have been a guy that you would have wanted to bring in here. He's got a good goal scoring record in the league. And, and but the thing, but upside. the thing is, we also for Baird's issue is that we don't know if he's willing to come to Vancouver because Vancouver was in flux this year. Well, he doesn't um, have a say. I thought it's, they it's MLS. Do. No, they don't. Oh, have but a I thought, oh, I thought they had a little bit of a say. Maybe no. Vancouver. 
Maybe Vancouver speaks to them and says, so, some, some clubs are nice. Like Montreal spoke to Evan Bush and said, look, yeah. Vancouver want to bring you in. Would you like to do that? But that's because he was a long-time servant of the club and they, right, did, right. they did right by him. But right. look at Breck Shea. Breck Shea found out 10 minutes before we did that he was coming here. Yeah, but the it could have been that maybe RSL did the same thing for Corey Baird and said, LAFC wants you, Vancouver wants yeah, you. Maybe. I'm just using it as hypothetical. Yeah. And he said, send me to LAFC. So maybe but then why why wouldn't like MDS be trying to bring in someone like like a Baird? Like, again, we all assume that he has a good relationship with Bradley. Yeah. And, and unless this developed overnight for LAFC, which is obviously possible, you, you like... But maybe LAFC did the same thing where they gave him options. Yeah, or, but he may not have been available like in June when we got white, and it might just be something that's transpired in July that they thought, you know what, we yeah. want to make, we want to make a move what I think for this happened. guy, so let, let's get rid of Corey. Now, Colorado also brought in Dominique Badgey from Nashville as squad depth for up front for 50,000 gam and another 50 if they re-sign him next season. So that was a good that's bit a, of business. That's a really good bit of business, yeah, especially for depth. Yeah. Austin brought in Argentine forward Sebastian Druizzi as a DP. He was most recently with Zenit St. Petersburg. He's previously come through the River Plate system. They need a replacement for Danny Hudson, who's been out since week five, and he's got a long-term injury now. So, I mean, that's a, a good addition. But they also added another forward, a free agent, McKinsey Gaines, US Youth International. He's been with Hanover. I, are you familiar at all with him, Zach? No, but Hanover's kind of been in Division Two for like I mean they right. yo-yo a bit, and so yeah, wouldn't I, he have had wouldn't yeah. he have had to gone through like some kind of uh, draft or something? I don't know where do they do those drafts anymore? Oh yes, I, I former think US. But then yeah, I don't. I think are, it's only been US youth. I think it's only oh, US, US internationals possibly right. that you have to go through that. I, I've another. Heard, I've been heard of those drafts in a long time. No, actually, <laughs> yeah. Another player coming from Germany to to MLS is rumoured to be, at least it's not confirmed yet, from Eintracht Frankfurt, Dejan Jovilicic, Ellie Galaxy looking to, to sign him. Are you familiar with him? Okay, this I got to look Eintracht up. Frankfurt. Why don't you look that up while we cover some of the other stuff? Well, he's, he, he, was a, he was a high-end, because I think even... Uh, um, uh, Romano, Sebastian Romano or something like that, uh, reported on that one. So I guess he's a high-end player or something mm. like that. He must be. Portland's added a forward. Colombian Santiago Moreno. He's coming in as an under-22 player. Portland's scouting with these guys is tremendous. Now, they don't all work out, yeah. but a lot of them do. They seem to have good... And Colombians do have a good record in this league, as, as we've seen here with with our guys as well it's a good pipeline from colombia to the u.s it's always been like that oh it has yes <laughs> nothing to be sniffed at but fc dallas have extended ricardo pepe we talked last week that he's definitely going to be going on for yeah. a, a fee so it's, they've got him in a five-year deal to make sure they get some good money for him yeah that's that's to make his value even more for any european team that comes after him and the last bit of news just to cover off the pitch ownership news Kansas City Chiefs quarterback, Patrick Mahomes, now part owner of Sporting Kansas City. Well, that's what happens when you get a $500 million deal. Mm. That's what his last contract was. wonder if we can get any of the BC Lions to, to buy into the Whitecaps. No, they do not get paid the same amount. 
<laughs> they had to skip a year too. That's true. Jo- okay, Jovilovic has been he's been on loan in Austria, but he has scored in the Bundes or he has scored that's the Austrian Bundesliga. Yeah, he um he has not played much for he's played four Bundesliga games so and never scored in the Bundesliga, but he scored a bunch in the in Austrian league. He scored like a goal every other game, kind of thing. Ah. Uh, in- interesting then how the Galaxies kind of identified him. Anyway, let's have a quick roundup of just the action in the the West this weekend in MLS. On Friday, it was LA Galaxy. We'll keep talking about them since we, we play them next Sunday. LA Galaxy oh, 4, Portland 1. I this watched was this a, game. This was a confusing game for me because, again, yeah, the, the Galaxy were the Galaxy were wearing green. Oh, uh, yes. Every time Galaxy scored a goal, Timber scored again. But it was the actual... It could have been five past Portland in this game. Yeah. Easily. Yeah, Portland. Portland looked all out of sorts in this one. And this is the best we've seen from the Galaxy since the early weeks. Because Vanny had them ticking over really nicely in those first few games. Then they've kind of been a little bit up and down. Of course they're going to maybe start to find some form just before they play the Whitecaps. The action kicked off on Saturday with a shock 1-0 win for San Jose at Seattle Sounders. Only goal of the game came in first half stoppage time from Espinosa. And I, I count the other goal. I don't think the ball went across the line. I think it was 2-0. Give that goal to Wando. I think Wando did it. Oh, yeah. Flounder's going to flounder. It was great. Come on. <laughs> Two straight home losses for them. I mean, yeah. When Wando scored that goal that disallowed and he's given the gears to the fans behind the goals yeah. and it's like, oh, and then they called it off. It's like, you look really stupid now. It was great while he was doing it. Oh, they still laughing. won. Hey, they still won. It's okay. Yeah, that's true. I, I don't know how, though, because San Jose looked terrible for the bulk of this. It was like two to one possession for Seattle. 11 shots to five. Man, San Jose, to to get that win is big for them. As my good Scottish friend always tells me, it doesn't matter what the stats say. All that matters is the result, baby. It's true. And you just cannot disagree with that. Houston nil, Salt Lake nil. So that was a a decent result for the Whitecaps, not the most exciting game. And then the other shock result of the weekend... Dallas went to sport in Kansas City, came away with a 2-1 victory, and, I mean, Pepe didn't even score in this one. Yeah, two goals from distance. These were, uh, I talked about Ferreira was the second goal, and the first goal was uh, Pomacal. Yeah, and then your your buddy... uh, Your buddy got a beauty. Yes, two in two weeks, two crackers. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, FC Dallas. They and it wasn't even that close. Not close, but Sporting Kansas City until the late in the game did not show very much in this one. Fun fact, which I'll, I'll share with you guys, as I will be no doubt mentioning it to Ryan Gold when, when I speak to him. When Ryan Gold made his debut for Dundee United, he was sixteen. He came on with a couple of minutes to go. Which player did he replace? Johnny Russell. Yes. Get in. What other player that played in MLS and has gone back to Scotland now was also in that squad with Ryan Gold? That guy from Salt Lake? No. Barry Barry Robson? No. Think New York City. 
Oh, that guy. Yeah, the striker. Gary Mackay Stephen. Yeah. That's and him. my last bit of knowledge, which current East Fife player came through the Dundee United system and was on a team with Ryan Gold. If you get this, I'll be amazed. Danny Swanson. Anyway, no one cares about that. Let's get on to some more MLS uh, I had, chat. I had Mary Sampsonite, sorry. So, yeah, I mean, that, that was a big, big win for, for Dallas. Colorado got past Austin 1-0. And then... And this is- and this is where I wanted to mention, and, and I was this is what I was looking up just to confirm. Austin is not looking good. No. In their last 11 games, they have been shut out nine times. And they're currently on a three-game streak where they haven't scored a goal. I, and they've it's okay, scored, they play the white caps in. Yeah, but I'm just saying that they, but they, like people are saying that oh, they're, they're like really, their gears are really grinding and they're just not, moving forward at all right now they had a great start to this season though steve if if they really think the trend's really bad bad i think we should i think this calls for an interview with the minister of culture uh, from their club club, and we'll see i'm assuming they just think things are going all right all right all right but oh (laughs) i i imagine that when i do the chocolate digestive thing with him it's going to be something (laughs) like chamomile tea (laughs) i'm so excited to to do that with ryan gold he strikes me as a chocolate digestive kind of guy. Well, don't don't get your hopes up. You're talking about the Whitecaps fans. I, I mean, but, I was explaining on my East Fife show, I'm going to have to have that awkward chat with Johnny Russell that he's been replaced in my heart as number one now. And it's a new, younger version that, that's he, taken. Can he pass on the restraining order, though? Probably. I, I think that might just last two days before I get that at, at Whitecaps training. But But we'll see. But anyway, those results at the weekend leave the standings as follows. Seattle, out on top, 32. Kansas in second on 30. Galaxy, third, 28. Colorado, fourth, 27. LAFC, 23rd, 23 in fifth. Minnesota, 23 in sixth. Salt Lake, the team we're chasing now in the seventh and final playoff spot on 21. Then outside, looking in, Portland on 19, Houston on 18, Dallas on 17, San Jose on 17, Vancouver on 15, Austin on 13. So those two points dropped against Minnesota, big. Would have left us just four points behind Minnesota and Salt Lake. But hey, if the Queen had balls, she'd be the king, as we all know. Um, quick roundup of Eastern games. Um, um, New York City FC just trounced Columbus. It was the, probably the worst showing Columbus had. It could have been another f- bypass Columbus in this one. Oh, yeah. Probably most entertaining game uh, of, that I saw uh, was Orlando against Atlanta United. Uh, a lot of a lot of good goals in there, but Atlanta loses again. Yeah. Uh, not looking good for them. Death, right at, at the end. Yeah, it was in it was in uh, injury time for sure. Um, New England. Comes back and beats the Red Bulls uh, without Turner and Buchanan. Uh, they, they're they're I, they're looking like the strongest team in the East by far. Uh, Beckham gets his first win at home. Uh, they beat Montreal uh, with was, a fan, phantom yeah. penalty call. Uh, you're talking about bad penalty calls. This was fan. There was no contact at all. Okay, uh, okay. But shout out to our our buddy in Montreal. What's his name? We have Podcast. a lot of them. Which one? The podcaster Paul John. Vance. Yeah. 
I, I watched this this game at the beginning. Oh yeah, the were, Camacho, the yeah, Camacho were, Memorial game or whatever you yeah, want. Yeah, they were praising Camacho on like how great he's been this year, and I think <laughs> he was at fault for both goals. I can't remember the I, I don't remember the but the second one for sure. He held onto the ball for ages. Oh yeah, yeah, the giveaway, the, yeah, yeah, giveaway. Uh, that, that's where when I saw I heard Camacho, I go Camacho testimonial. <laughs> um. And then uh, the other game, Toronto Nashville. Toronto keeps drawing games at home. They keep dropping points at home. And that equalizer. And, and they're was, actually and they're actually playing at home. Their yeah, their equalizer. I don't know if you guys saw was given up on a throw-in. One yeah. of those, like uh, Rory Delap throw-ins. <laughs> but their goal off a off a set piece was pretty like Bradley just. It was almost like a uh, oh, yeah. a field goal. Talk. It was almost like a field goal because it felt like he was still holding onto the ball when uh, they sent it in. It was like really quick on like, like an alley oop, yeah, basically. And Gonzalez hit it home. It was a nice goal, but yeah, but they keep drawing at home, and and that's not looking good for them to catch up. They needed some more wins, but they have they have the players to do it. Yeah, true. It's a busy midweek. There's a lot of games coming up. Just looking at the ones that involve Western teams, Austin play Houston, and with the form that Austin's in. You might fancy Houston to, to get three big points in that yeah, one. That's the Texas first meeting. Derby. Yeah, first meeting between them. So, I mean, anything can go in a Derby game. Seattle-Dallas. Yeah. kind of want Seattle to make sure that Dallas don't continue a run there. LA Galaxy-Salt Lake. But wouldn't it be nice to see Seattle lose a third straight game at home? It, it would. It's a really tough, you know, Sophie's choice there. <laughs> <laughs> LA Galaxy-Salt Lake. Basically... You kind of want the Galaxy to win that so that Salt Lake continued just being outside the of the playoff spots. Also, I wouldn't mind a couple of sending-offs for the Galaxy as well just to have them weakened, even take just a, a one-game injury or something just to get them a little bit weakened for the, the matchup on Sunday. We'll be nice and fresh for that one for a change, whereas they'll be coming yeah. off four days rest. LAFC, Kansas City, that should be a cracker. And then Portland, San Jose, another Sophie's choice. Don't want San Jose to get points. Don't really want Portland to get points either. But that is it for our MLS chat. We will be turning our attention to the international scene next as we'll be talking about the heartbreak that happened on Thursday night, the Gold Cup exit. And we'll be back with that after this. Hi, I'm Mark Anthony Kay and you're listening to the AFTN radio show.
Welcome back to the AFT and Soccer Show on CITR Radio 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part, it's another song from our Artist of the Month for August here at AFTN, Destroy Boys, from their second album, 2018's Make Room, and that was Gold Medal. Partly played because we've got our own golden boy in Vancouver, but also because the Olympics is in full flow and the Canadian women are going for gold on Thursday after a fantastic win over the US in Monday mornings, I was going to say Sunday night, but early Monday mornings, Olympic semi-final. And what an absolutely fantastic win it was for Canada. Their first win over the US for 20 years. Only their fourth win over the US in 64 meetings between the two countries. And you felt going into this one, this was their chance. This was an American side that has not been performing. Struggled so far to get through the Olympics. Canada looking really good defensively. Still wondering where the goals might come from, but you really felt this was their chance. They felt that as well. They went out and took it. All the talk for the last year or so since Bev Priestman took over the helm with this Canadian women's side is, it's always been talking about changing the colour of the medal. No matter what, they've done that. After back-to-back bronzes, they're either going to be gold medal winners or they're going to be silver medal winners. I wish I could get the thoughts of Steve and Zach on this, but we recorded the whole show on Sunday night. I'm just doing this bumper just now, after the game has finished, just so we can bring you as up-to-date coverage of this as possible in the podcast. The decisive goal in the 1-0 victory came in the 75th minute. Jesse Fleming, from the spot, after a video review a judge that Deanne Rose had been fouled in the box by Davidson of America. Referee pointed to the spot. You thought, will Christine Sinclair take it? She had the ball, but she handed it over to Jesse Fleming. And what a fantastic penalty from Fleming. Unsavable, into the side corner, 1-0 to Canada, 15 minutes to go. And they held on fairly comfortably. I mean, Canada had a a pretty good first half. It wasn't the most exciting half of football. America were starting to control the game though, starting to take over, and you thought it might just be a matter of time before they scored. But no, it was Canada that got the job done. They held on well. Had a, a few American attacks that they thwarted. Absolutely fantastic win. You saw what it meant to all the women after the game at the final whistle. And when it cut back to the studio, to CBC, just seeing Karina LeBlanc, just so emotional. Just, you know what it meant to her. She's been through this with so many of these women and just fantastic. It's the only word I can use to describe it. I've said that several times now, but it's true. They're playing for gold on Thursday at a decent time as well for us here on the, the West Coast. It looks like it's going to be 7pm kickoff. They're going to be facing Sweden or Australia. That semi-final doesn't kick off until another 40 minutes from the time that I'm recording this at 3.20 in the morning. Can they do it? No matter what, we're proud of them. They've done us proud. They're going to come home with a better medal than the last two years. Let's cross that finger for gold.
But let's turn our attention now to the heartbreak that happened on Thursday night. The Gold Cup semi-final exit. If you'd said going into the competition, oh, you're going to lose a close one to Mexico, 2-1 in the semi-final, you'd be like, ah, that's tough, but oh well, they've given a, a good account of themselves. The way that they lost it, it was just, it was a gut punch. It was heartbreaking. They played so well, they battled so well to go a goal down, to come back to tie it up, to take the game to Mexico. Before we get into some of the ins and outs, just what's your overall feelings of the performance, how the game played out, just how you're feeling about things now that the, the tournament is done and dusted? Well, I'm going to take it as a whole, not just the game, but the whole tournament. I'm very happy with the way the tournament went. Um, uh, my 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 thoughts on this game were like, whatever happens, I, like it is gutting that the the way they lost it because of the fact that it went, they were had a chance, they went so late. Um, but overall, I'm like the fact that they were able to get so many, uh, uh, you know, get so many extra other players that might not have been in this lineup if they went full strength um, into these situations and then get them this kind of experience. It's going to help them for the gold cup uh, in, in like in the six months when they play it again. And, and also the world cup uh, qualifying. Um, I think, I think that's the main thing there that we have to take away from the whole game for this game. Boy, I wish I, I I didn't really have any expectations that they were going to win, only because I felt like they were going to get Concacaf eventually, and I felt like there were some incidents that kind of pointed to that. Um, there's nothing nothing that can be done. Like I I I love the way that they battled. Um, they stood up for each other, especially late in the game. Um, we'll, we could probably talk about that a little bit later. Uh, but it, I I think it was a, a fantastic overall tournament. And that's what I'm going to take out of this. I'll just focus on this one game. Yeah, I, I agree, with Steve. There's lots of lots to be encouraged by what, what took place in this tournament. Honestly, I f I'm feeling a little disappointed. Uh, I, I think that they really could have could have done it. And like, I think mm -hmm. I tweeted about this. This is the closest they've been to a finale since Atiba was onside. And although they weren't robbed like they were that night. Um, it uh, it feels like the way they played at the end of the game. Well, in both the penalties, really, especially I guess especially the second one, were just na I don't know naive or just like just momentary errors, you know, to make those challenges. It's, it's again, especially the second one, like going away from goal at the top, of the, you know, the side or top of the box or whatever. Like it just felt just a momentary brain lapse. Um, but uh, and that was Mark Anthony K right on the second, the second, second one. one. Yeah, they, second one. They were both correct decisions. Yes, but they, they were definitely both, both penalties. But they were foolish challenges from Canada's yes. perspective. They should not, especially Mark Anthony K, should not have given the, the Mexican player the the opportunity to to feel the contact, to go down, to win the penalty, all that kind of stuff. So yeah, I mean, there's lots of positives to take away, but it, it is. It, I feel I felt gutted. Like I felt like. Yeah. I can't believe this is ending the way it's ending. I, I think I, I don't know if I text this to both of you or whatever, but like Kirk and I were sitting here at this table watching it on the iPad. I was ready for it to go to extra time. I thought, okay, that we can we can either win it in extra time or I feel confident on penalties. Obviously, mm -hmm. saved one in the game, and that plays into 
the, the mentality around going into a shootout. But I, as soon as that ball went out wide, I said to Kirk, I said, Kirk, oh no, you got to watch Kirk, watch, watch, watch. <laughs> and I just I like, had I, the same I could, feeling. I could just feel it. You could just feel it coming. Like before the ball went into the middle, like just as soon as like, there was just like this buildup of pressure or what, I don't know what it was, but as soon as that ball went to the wing, I was like, oh buddy, look, look, look. And it was just like I just, Max Crippol must have been having white caps flashbacks. Seriously. Stoppage time. Here we Seriously. go again. Yeah, and there's nothing he could have done. Yeah, he played. So but but, but like, speaking of like he he stood out in this. Yes, yeah. he he was excellent. I mean, him and, and Tejan Buchanan. Yeah, like the positives for me, pretty much what you guys have said. Like it's shown the depth that we have now. Because, I mean, let's be honest, this wasn't a full-strength Canada, America, or Mexican teams. But that's also one of the, the negatives for me, because this was a real chance to win it. And watching tonight's final, I several times I was watching that going, we, we could have beaten both these teams. Yeah. That, that was what the most frustrating aspect of it was, because America were there for the beating, Mexico were there for the beating, a good positive, they went toe-to-toe -to -toe with him. As Steve mentioned, it's like they didn't get pushed around. They actually fought and they stood up and they didn't take any of the shit that, that goes with all this. And it's like it got super chippy towards yeah. the end. And it was actually really nice to see them standing up for themselves. Totally. And not and stepping up broad and all that. And stepping well, up for each other too. Yeah. Right? I've been kind of busy since Thursday night. I'm doing some community event stuff. Well, what like there was some racist condom, comments were made. There was comments made yeah, online. The online for sure afterwards, but the reaction, I, the reaction on the pitch did make me what, think what has been said here because yeah. that reaction. Because it was was it Lai? Lai, um, I think there, there was uh, several players. And the thing is, the one that was most um, getting involved was Crepo. Yeah. Crepo oh, was yeah. like, Crepo was, that's what I'm saying. Like, these I'm guys were standing to Max up. this week, so I'll, I'll see. I, you might I, not want I, to share on the record, yeah, but we'll see I, what, what he says. I, uh, the way he was standing up for people, like, like showed me that, like, like the leadership that he has. And he, he clearly heard something, too. Yeah, they all heard something. The whole yeah. team. It wasn't just one person because yeah. they were all like getting, uh, like going after the person whoever said it. I don't know who said it, but it was so clear that something it, was. Said. It hasn't been identified or indicated publicly. No, it, it's no. never. It's never been said that it's a player. There was a statement I, that went out about the the racial right. abuse that Tejon Buchanan had got online. I just saw a little bit of that from on Instagram. Yeah, okay. uh, but it was disgusting to. I mean, we spoke about it with the England players after the, the Euros. It's, they're just scum. Was that, he being abused by, like, Canadians or by Mexicans? Or I, I think Mexicans by, by the looks of the, the names of the handles and stuff. But okay. it's, they do it because he's a good player. Yeah. It's, that's not an excuse, but that yeah. it's, that's why they're targeting him. Yeah. We, I mean, that, that, we need to talk about that goal. Like, it, yeah. It was un un unbelievable. I know this is maybe going out of order. No, but... well, I mean, like, 1-0 to Mexico. It was a VAR penalty. It was the right decision. We don't need to get into that. Tejon's goal. Uh, I, I was worried when they one went one down because I was like, do they have enough in this team up front to get the goal? 
and then Herdman moved Tejon into that attacking position. Wish you, they, wish you. They kind oh, of done from the beginning. I know. I, I think you said last week in the show that's what you'd like. Yeah. And he was outstanding, and every aspect of that goal was tremendous. The fact that it was onside, the double step over, the cut in, and the shot—like it was. Yeah, it was. He, he has got such a bright future ahead of him, and if he. If he finishes this season in MLS, I'm going to be amazed, to be honest. Well, Bruce I think Bruno said he's had multiple offers, right? Yeah, yeah I think... Lens from it, France, Bruges from Belgium, Augsburg from Germany. Yeah. I think I think he will stay in MLS because I don't think New England wants to lose him. I think he could still get sold this summer and then loan back for the remainder of the season. Oh, that's a, but yeah, I think that's I, I But I think, I think 100% that he stays. I think the... I've heard it mentioned on a number of places that... New England really wants to win the MLS Cup, and they're no—they're not looking to sell anybody and lose them. Now, uh, Matt Turner is another person that could be gone to Europe uh, next year as well. Yeah, he, he so, had a great tournament. Uh, I so, think... so, so I think I think they will possibly sell them or one or both of them, and but then still keep them for the year. I think Tejon w- would fit in really well at Augsburg. It's a Bavarian side that uh, continues to grow and has some. Like good pieces in their side. At, Are they in Bundesliga or? Yeah, no, they're in the Bundesliga, and, and and because they've they've kind of steadied their ship. They're not a they're not a yo-yo club. Uh, they've been in the Bundesliga for a number of years now. Yeah, and they have they have some quality, and I think they have a little bit more expectation. Was and a player like the, could really really help them. What wasn't that uh, Marcel De Jong's old team? Yep. When I yep. was thinking, yeah, yeah, interesting. Yeah. I mean, he, he's definitely got a very bright future ahead of him. Now, the, the game, it was it was looked like extra time was looming. Then we had all the, the shenanigans, all the stop-start oh, yeah. with the, oh. the fisticuffs and everything and the pushing and the shoving. And then, of course, there was the stoppage for the, the Poodle chant. And it's the, the three-tier yeah. thing. This was tier one and it was stopped. And... Jonathan Osorio was asked about this after the game. Did he feel that that disrupted the flow and the momentum of the game? And he said no, because it gave both teams a chance to get a breather. Yeah. But Mexico, but, I would see easy to say Mexico benefited because they got the goal. Yeah. But Canada were in the ascendancy at that point. Yeah, that, that's what I was going to say. And they looked more dangerous prior to that stoppage. Could you, I, I think I had the volume either really low or off. Really low, I think. Um, was this audible like just I, I'd he- I heard it and I'd, I'd heard it earlier in the game though as well yeah. and it's like tonight as well I heard it and there was a Tannoy announcement of no you can't do that or we'll stop the game and stuff so I mean it, it's a small handful now to be fair a lot of the Mexican fans were going crazy with their fans for it and yeah. telling them to stop which was yeah. good to see because they know that that could have cost them but it then led to the the goal being scored nine minutes into seven minutes of stoppage time. Yeah. And the breather obviously helped Mexico kind of calm down, kind of collect themselves, whatever. I, I understand why they're doing it, but it can be disruptive for the opponents and it can help Mexico more than anything. So again, that can be used if the fans are thinking, oh, look, we need our guys to maybe get a chance to get together and plan something. Let's do this and we'll get a stoppage. Yep. I, I don't know what the answer is, but it, 
when when they ended up scoring after it, it just made it all the more gutting because it was hard not to think that that had a big impact in it. But the, the, yeah. the, the winning goal, it was well taken. Not a lot that, that Max could do. I don't think Mexico deserved the, the victory in the night. In fact, both semi-finals, I think Qatar and Canada were, were the, the better, better teams, teams in, in yeah. both semi-finals. I, I, I don't know if that's just my Canadian coloured glasses shining through, but I, 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 I would have been an exciting I, final. Tonight's final I, wasn't exciting. Yeah, the thing is, the 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 Qatar one was definite. That Qatar felt like they were the better team in that one. Um, U.S. just got through by the skin of the teeth. Um, the Canada one, I would say it was 50-50, but uh, Canada looked like the more exciting team. Yeah, Mexico team. probably shaded the first half, but I thought Canada were way better in the second half. Yeah, but they were there was more excitement behind that Canadian team, and that's why they probably looked better on yeah. the pitch. But I mean, it was absolutely gotten. Let's hear some audio now from after the game from John Herdman, Maxime Cripo, and Jonathan Osorio. And I wear it for my lady, the Canadian flag, baby. Yeah, proud of the lads, uh, Neil. But a uh, broken insight, to be honest. It's uh, you know we really wanted to, to get to that final. It's it's been tough. I mean, that was a that was a tough match. It's tough to tough to take in the last minute, eh? It's uh, yeah, we're feeling it. It's yeah. Uh, I just want to ask you. Just you didn't seem to be intimidated by the atmosphere, by the team. You guys went out there, and and I guess what is it about this team that is doesn't doesn't get intimidated? Uh, which you couldn't say that about Canadian teams in the past. We just said, you know, we we'd play with no fear tonight. I showed them our London 2012 performance with with our women's team because I felt tonight that's you know this 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 Gold Cup is the closest I've felt to a, a connection with a group of people. Um, so they 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 got to see our women and. Um, they they just they weren't frightened tonight. They 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 left all their fears behind and committed to each other. Uh, just kept it kept it that simple. We had a, a clear game plan and that spirit, that fight for each other. You know, people underestimate how hard that is to to create in a team, but when it's there, it's. Um, it's special, and I think you're seeing that special, that specialness tonight, that Canadian grit, that that Canadian resilience, but also more than that, and that's what we wanted to show tonight. That we're more than that grit and resilience. We uh, we, we, we can play, and uh, we can go toe to toe with the best in Concacaf. You know, those those men, some of those men came of age tonight, and some of those men, you know, gave gave uh, what they could in a red shirt and that's all I can ask for. It's all the country can ask for. We're just gutted, like really gutted. We really wanted to take this country to the next level tonight and yeah, we never made it. Hey Max, uh, I know this is probably the last thing you want to do just now, stand there talking to us, but as gutted as you all are just now, 
so many positives to take from Canada in this tournament going into the World Cup qualifiers. I, I know it's hard to think about that just now, but it must give you such a boost for these big games coming up. Yeah, uh, how are you? I hope you're well. Uh, honestly, um, it, it's a frustrating feeling. It's a gutted feeling. Uh, it's not fun, but tonight we did a big step as a nation. Closed the gap uh, to... Uh, to Mexico, uh, you know, which uh, hands down their favorite. We all know that. But uh, to be honest, uh, this is what the program is about right now. Uh, we can compete with anyone in CONCACAF. We've proved it. And uh, I'm really, really proud of this group. This group is a solid one. The player pool is tight. And uh, it was a big step uh, forward for us tonight as, uh, as Canadian. And uh, as one nation, one nation, uh, we really feel that Everyone is behind us, and uh, we go forward from now. Um, I just want to ask you about this team. I know there's been a lot of talk about this team and how close you guys are and, and, and how you guys play for each other. And, and you really showed that tonight. You really demonstrated that tonight. Can you just give me a thought on, on the closeness of this team and just the adversity you guys all went through and, and, and to be able to do what you guys did tonight? It was just so impressive. Yeah, we're, we're a family. Uh, I think we're a family. I think... Uh, people from the outside can can sense that and feel that in this team uh, and inside this team it's it's uh, it's an amazing feeling what we have in the locker room uh, we are a family we are all brothers and and we fight for each other uh, we all, we all have the same goal and we all want to make history together and, and I think we showed that on the field today we showed that throughout this tournament um, you know so many things so many factors played against us not only today but throughout the tournament with injuries and things like that, missing players. But the guys here, you know, we, we showed that we have heart and, uh, you know, we're not scared of anybody. We believe in ourselves and, and we're ready to, to show the world um, that we're ready to take the next step. So John Herdman, Max Cripot and Jonathan Osorio there, just some quick post-game thoughts. Obviously, I mean, you, you can hear from their voices, John Herdman especially. It was really tough for, for John to speak after the game. And like the players that came up, it, it brave of them. It was, it was nice, actually, I got to ask Max the question because at least he had a friendly voice that he knows asking him a question after it. But like John... He only took four questions and then they cut it short. He really struggled to find the words. But, I mean, what they've all spoken about is what a group this is. It's like a band of brothers. They feel really close-knit. John Herdman said that this, apart from maybe the 2012 Olympic with the women, he's been searching for kind of getting that kind of feeling again and he's got it with this group of players. I mean, the future, it's so bright for this team it's so exciting when you think treats. of all the guys that that we were missing real i i realistically think we we can get through the, the octagon get to qatar because costa rica's no great shakes and i, I mean america and mexico is still going to be the favorites when they've got full strength guys in there's nothing to be afraid of 
Yeah, I I think I think the the th- three to six is very close. Like I think it's, it's basically the, I think we're in that group right now. Um, I think it Costa Rica. I think I still even though they don't look good, they weren't at full strength. No no team was at full strength mm. in this tournament. I think they they're good. I think you got Jamaica has still got you know potential. You yeah, know, I mean off their own accord as well. <clears throat> yeah, and uh, Andre Blake, if he's if he's in form, he can easily steal a game or two here and there. Um, Honduras, I, I'm that that's probably the one that's probably out of the four teams that I probably have the least confidence in. But I, I definitely think Canada. I mean, if, if you don't want, could find some young guys and totally revamp their their squad. Teams, so I think they need yeah. to. Yeah, but I think I think th- three to six is definitely the range where I think who's the other two teams? I can't remember. El now. Salvador, Panama. El Salvador, yeah. ascendancy. And uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, and Panama doesn't look very good at all. Like at this point, they they didn't look good in this game in this tournament. No, no except for having, being part of the part of the most exciting game with Qatar, they didn't look that good. Um, so yeah, I I would say three to six is where they looking, and I I definitely have probably the most confidence at this point over the last six months that they are capable of getting that number three spot. Did either of you watch the final tonight? No, I'm not going to watch that. I was at a community event until Uh, right before we got on here. But I I saw the highlights. I had it on. um, Watched some of it with half an eye, some of it in in more detail. First half was exciting. Second half, I found really boring. And then US go on and win it late. The amount of late goals that the US have got in this tournament is incredible. And it's like, you've got to tip your, your cap to them. It's like they fight to the end and yeah, they, they it, find a way of getting it done. I think they've they've also found a lot of... It was a good tournament for the US because they found a lot of players. While they it wasn't a perfect uh, tournament for them, they found a lot of players that can help them in the qualifying yeah. depth-wise as well. And that that's what you need, especially with a pandemic still going on. There can be speed bumps along the way for players possibly getting over, quarantining, all that kind of stuff. So you want to have depth. Thankfully, we've got it. Injuries as well can can wipe it out, as we know. Hopefully, Fonzie is going to be back for the next lot of qualifiers. But it's an exciting time to, to be a Canadian national team fan. Just can't wait for these qualifiers to get underway. But that is it for this part. We've got one more part to come. Just going to be a quick one as we turn our attention to the domestic game in Canada and the Canadian Premier League because the teams are all headed home and playing in front of fans. And we'll be back chatting about that after this. Hi, I'm Maxim Kippel from the Vancouver Whitecaps and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. the day when you left me standing. I remember the day when you left me stranded. And I waited, waited for you. But you never seemed to come back home. I remember when you said we'd be together. I remember when you said we'd last forever And I waited, waited for you But you never seemed to come back home Back home When I 
Welcome back to the final part of this episode of the AFT and Soccer Show on CITR Radio 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part to celebrate Ryan Gold, the Scottish Messi or the Scottish Messiah. I don't know what one we're going to call him. I don't think he wants to be called either. No, he doesn't. He just wants to be called Ryan. But we've got to have a nickname for him. But to celebrate him coming here, I thought I would play a song by friend of the show and Scottish recording artist, P.G. Charletta, East Fife supporter. We've played him on the show before. That's his latest single, Bonnie Toon. Check out the video. It's filmed on the banks of Loch Lomond. And he got a great recommendation this week from Robert Carlyle, Begbie himself, who had tweeted out that he'd heard the song and was loving it. So Phil's very cock-a-hoop about that. So we're playing that just to get you to buy Phil's records. No one really buys records, I guess, anymore. Check it out on iTunes and Spotify and all those kind of things. PG Charletta. Great stuff. But we're going to round off the, the show this week just chatting about the Canadian Premier League. Now, the teams, they're all back in their home markets. Not all of them yet have played a home game, but they're at least home training. They'll all be playing games in front of fans. And the first game to be played in BC in front of fans since the Whitecaps took on Kansas City, professional game we're talking about, on February 29th last year, took place in Langford on Friday night, Starlight Stadium. It was 689 days since the last game was played at Starlight Stadium. Is that how many people were there? It wasn't the 5,000 sellout that I was expecting, yeah, I, was, I have to say, but... I was disappointed. Yeah. It, it, was, it, it wasn't that it, bad for a first game. I was disappointed on, on one level, but understanding, I guess, on the other. Yeah. yeah. It, the supporters section in particular seemed quite yeah. empty. Nice, a nice TFO. Oh, lovely TFO. They did so well in that. I, the noise and the atmosphere was fantastic from the fans that were there, so let's say I, that. I just feel bad that in the photo I saw that the Nor- Nolan Worth two-stick was back. I never noticed that. Of course, maybe a a whole plethora of fans from the mainland couldn't get over because of the bloody ferry chaos that took place on on Friday. That was one of the things in the end that made me decide not to to go over because things were pricey on the island. I thought it was going to be a nightmare coming back. And the ferry that I would have been getting back ended up getting cancelled, so I would have been stuck on the island overnight as well. So everything worked out. But it ended up a 2-0 win. For Pacific FC over a shorthanded Cavalry FC who's going through some injury problems and stuff at the moment. And Marco Bustos, what a story. The last game that was played in Langford all those days ago was Pacific against Valor at the end of the 2019 season. On the pitch for Valor that day was Marco Bustos. He's switched teams since then, lining up for Pacific, open to scoring three minutes in... And if it wasn't for Steve's favourite player, Marco Carducci, 
or was it Maxime Cropot? He doesn't no, know. Things could have really got out of hand. Was I it mean, stylish, stylish Carducci? Yeah, well, he's been rocking that kind of bandana and the long hair for a, for a little bit now, but some big, big saves from him. He was a big player for, for Cavalry in this one. It took until the 86th minute for Pacific to get their second. What a screamer. Gianni yeah. Dos Santos, no relation to Mark or Philip. Just came on the pitch. It was basically his first touch. Ran in and goal. Bang. Great finish. Tight Great angle. all performance, really. Yeah, tight angle. If Carducci got his head on it, it would have taken his head off. That's how hard that shot <laughs> Yeah. It was a nice finish. I mean, Pacific, they continue to excite. And it was great to see the fans back at, at, at Starlight. It was great to hear the atmosphere. Speaking to a couple of folk and just seeing folks' tweets and messages that are, that were at the game, they, they all loved it. They all had a great time. This team, if you haven't had a chance to watch them yet, find a way to watch them. Get the highlights. Check it out on YouTube if you don't want to yeah. subscribe to One Soccer. They're playing lovely stuff under par. Yeah, and and, and it's it's amazing that you know you you expect Pamudika that you know a center back you don't expect him to play this a wide open game but he's got them playing like all over. like I, I like I would not want to be a defender on an opposing team playing no. Their, their, their attacking core is so strong and so varied. I mean, for for this game, you had Ten Campbell and Matteo Polisi that didn't even make the bench. Yeah, like they're held in reserves. It's like that's how stacked this team is. I did feel a bit for cavalry though; they couldn't even field a full bench. It was like they've just had a lot of problems. Ali Musi went down with an injury after scoring in the the last game through in Winnipeg. I, I I asked Tommy after the game if he felt that they needed to look at expanding this roster. If you're playing games every couple of days, it's grueling, it's injuries. Yeah. These guys haven't played a 23-man roster. I, yeah. I know budgets and everything, they need to look at expanding this and let, yeah, you let need, them have extra players. You need more in your stable if you're going to uh, uh, have a good team out there for Cavalry. Yes. Just going to play a little bit of audio now from Paul's game. We're just it's, it's not great quality because the setup for the Zoom call basically involved Pamaduka and Marco Bustos sitting, sitting somewhere and a laptop getting shoved in front of them with the, the laptop camera and microphone being used for the post game. So we'll, we'll play you what we've got. Let's hear now from Pa and Marco. Obviously, you'd been looking forward to, to this day for a while, the first game back in a, in a couple of years. Marco, a bit weird for you, because the, the last game that was at Pacific, you were playing for, for Valor against them. What was this occasion like for you both? Obviously, the win helped, but just did you soak it all in tonight? I mean, I think, I think, I think it's been a long time waiting uh, for sports, like in Canada, and for us, our fans, like you mentioned, the last game they played was October 19, 2019. Scoreline 2-0 Pacific against Valor. And today, like a year, nine months and 12 days to be exact. Like um, the boys get to see the fans against. The fans get to see the players that we signed last year in the offseason. but never witnessed them, but watched them from PEI and Winnipeg uh, in the bubble. So to be home and um, you know, get a three points and the way that they played for me as a coach, I was very happy. Yeah, I think um, we started the game well, get a good goal. 
then uh, we have a little period in the, right after around 28 minutes where we didn't control the game. But overall, I think we control the game. And uh, I think you know, the results could have been more, but uh, it's fair results to do. Yeah, and for me, uh, it's just exciting. You know, we, we've gone a while without fans, you know, two bubbles. And uh, like the coach just said, it's, uh, it's been a long time waiting. And uh, it was important, I think, for for us players to give the fans a, a win in our first game back. And, you know, this organization is going forward and it was a, it was a great way to start that. And uh, and just like, you know, the patience they've had with with everything and and how they came out today, the fans were was uh, was really amazing. And, you know, we just go game by game. So Pamadou and Marco Bustos, they're just chatting a little bit after Pacific's big 2-0 win on Friday. Yeah, that, um, that, that interview needed subtitles, and it's hard yes. to do that for a podcast. <laughs> now, Saturday's action. Alan Koch's FC Edmonton played their first home game at Clark Stadium. Again, not packed to the rafters, but good to see fans in there. And they looked, they looked good. 3-1 win over Valor. Everyone was like, oh, are Valor just doing well because they're playing every game at home? This was their first test away from home. And the Eddies, big 3-1 win. And that sets up a tasty El Clasico clash on Tuesday, the first Alberta derby of the season, taking place in Cavalry at Spruce Meadows. It's going to be a cracker. Let's hear a little bit before that game. The home opener coming up on Tuesday was always going to be a special occasion anyway. The fact it's the first El Clasico of the season, there's a new man in charge at Edmonton, restoring old rivalries. Just what are you expecting from that game on Tuesday? Well, it should be, again, like this, a great atmosphere. Um, we talked about it before the game, you know, that there's going to be an emotion involved because the players, the coaches, the fans, they all feel it. It was up to us to try and be the party poopers today and we didn't achieve that. Um and I'm sure Eddie's will be in the same way We're under their new coach trying to come in and, and, and make things tough for us. But that's the nature of this league. I think the league has got better in general. There's a lot of really good teams out there that will take the, the points off each other. And you see that in the West, right? You know, th- three, three West teams are in the top four and uh, it, it's going to make for a, a very interesting go around because, you know, with Pacific, we've got like a five-game series with them. And, uh, and that's, that's just how, how it's going to unfold. So that was Tommy Fielding Jr. from Cavalry FC. I'm looking forward to, to that game on Tuesday. Before that, though, Halifax have their home opener and Stephen Hart's going to be back in the bench for that one. It's great to see him back, so I wish him all the very best. The games, this game's every couple of days. It's, it's going to be hard to watch them all, to be honest. I think I'm probably going to rely on watching highlights on YouTube for some of them. It, it's too much. and. <laughs> I don't like saying that, but it's like there's just so much football to watch just now. Is the summer the feast of football? Mm. Mm. I've got my New Zealand stuff to watch. The when Chatham the, Cup. Bundesliga starts soon. Been watching some preseason. I haven't even subscribed to East Five TV for this season. What? I'm not getting up at seven a.m. to watch that shit team. But you go to BC Place all the time. I don't get up at seven a.m. for that. <laughs> That's weird. That's weird. I'm just watching the highlights the next day and then just talking about it. We've put our, our podcast yeah, back you... to the Sunday now to, to do it so I can just watch the highlights for free. Talking of Scotland, though, let's finish the show with this week's wavelength. And in tribute to Ryan Gold, 
I thought I'd pick a, a song with a Scottish bent. Now, I'll warn you in advance, this song has some swearing in it. Well, quite a lot of swearing in it. But it's Irvin Welsh. It's like, what, what do you expect? This is Primal Scream, Irvin Welsh, and On You Sound, with a, a song from 1996. They brought it out for the Euros. And it's called The Big Man and the Scream Team Meet the Barmy Army Uptown. Something a little bit different for you. Scottish sport is why we hate the English so. I love the English very much, as long as they don't fucking beat us in the European Nations Cup.
shutout that never comes. Sitting and waiting for the inevitable shutout that never fucking comes. So something a little bit different for you there. Primal Scream, Irvin Welsh and On You Sound with the big man and the Scream team meet the Barmy Army uptown. If you made it to the end of that one, I salute you. But that is it for the end of this show. If you made it to the end of this show, I equally salute you. Thank you for joining us. Before we go, guys, any final thoughts, anything you learned this week? The floor is yours, Steve. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at WhitecapSpeed. And what I learned was uh, Mexico made me uh, cheer for the US, which made me feel more dirty and uh, made me dislike Mexico even more. Actually, yes. When America scored the winner tonight, I was kind of like, ah, I'm, I'm quite pleased because of how things played out. Terrible. You've made me feel that way. Zach, what about yourself? You can find me on Twitter at ZacharyAM. And this week, I would like to give a shout out to our good friend, Mr. Whitecaps. Congratulations on the birth of your second child. Um, yeah, hope you and your family are all doing well. Yes. Congratulations to Nathan. He got a yeah, shout out on the, the broadcast just today as well. Oh, right. I think that was them just trying to throw in something nice as it looked like the White Cats were heading to another defeat. But yep, really pleased for, for Nathan and enjoy a couple of weeks off on paternity leave. I'm Michael McCall. You can find me on Twitter at AFTN Canada. Read all our stuff away from the numbers, AFTN.ca. Give us a follow on YouTube. Subscribe, like, turn on notifications because we hope to be bringing you a video chat with Ryan Gold at some point this week. Maybe goes into next week, we'll see. We'll also release that as a podcast as well. But that is it for this week's show. We will be back soon. We may even bring you a midweek special because I've got a few chats lined up this week. Check your podcast feeds and all the, the socials that we have and we'll keep you informed. But until next time, take care. Thanks for listening and mourn the caps. Bye, everyone. Going to your first match is an experience you never forget. The atmosphere of what's going on around the pitch looks beautiful and you always look and go, wow, I'd love to play here one day. If you get the bug, it's going to stay with you for life. Mm-hmm.